0: We're going to take a, a divided journey. Uh, for the first 20 minutes or so, I'm going to talk to you, and then the next, you're going to get to talk to me. The reason I'm doing it this way is because it's fun, and I want to kind of work through um, the, the sermon and get to you, because I, I really feel that when I do this kind of sermon on Father's Day, that all the women are sitting there saying, okay, what part's for me? You know, where's my part in this? And I don't want you to tune out. I want you to stay with me because I really believe that it affects everybody because everybody had a father in here. Whether you knew him or liked him or didn't like him, knew him, or whatever, didn't matter. You had a father. And, and part of you say, "Nah, I didn't really have a dad who was engaged. I had a man that I knew, or maybe a man in the other room, but we didn't really talk and engage. So whatever your story is, whether it be good or bad, you know, um, I, I've really worked hard at this father thing in my life. And... Um, I told my kids, you know, I used to go to those services sometime, and there'll be, you know, it's big, you know, dad's not there thing, and they have big altar calls for the women who had no dads, and the altar be full of girls crying and stuff. And uh, I told Christine, I said, if I ever see you up there, I'm going to throw my shoe and hit you in the back of your head if you ever go <laughs> to one of those altar calls, <laughs> because I have tried. I have tried real hard. That probably went too spiritual to say, right? <laughs> but I said, I'm gonna. you try, I'm going to hit you. You bet not. I have tried. And it's not easy. It's not easy on the kid's side, and it's not easy on my side. As a matter of fact, Christine and I are working on a book project, which is really great. Uh, one we just finished, and in in I know you have been waiting on it, prom, I promise you it's coming, uh, on relationships called, anyway, forget about the Family Gumbo. But there's one that we're working on called, From Both Sides of the Fence, Healing the Wounds of Dads and Daughters. And uh, Rick's agreed to do one with me next year on healing the wounds of sons and fathers. And Part of what Christine and I have been working on is how do you define and explain the relationship between a dad and and, and a daughter, or, or a dad and a son, and, and it's really interesting because when she, what she's done and she lists her chapters, right? And so each of us get to list a set a chapter that describes our relationship from our side of the fence. So imagine she's on one side of the fence and I'm on the other side of the fence, and so she's telling her chapters describe her experiences, and and then I list my chapters now. I'll just give you a clue of one of her chapters. It's called Overprotective. I think we need to change that title. That's what I said. But no, I thought it was powerful because that's her, and she'll tell her story and what she felt about that. And then I'll tell my story and how I felt from my side of the fence. Ooh, I can't wait. Anyway, so we're, <laughs> we're working on that now, and I, I really think one of the things that, um, that, that excites me Uh, The target is Christmas, so you can pray about that problem. That's my target, okay, Christmas. I want to have it for you by Christmas so you can read it. But I'm really excited about about being a father and this process and uh, how impactful it is when it goes right. Uh, It can go wrong very easily, and it doesn't take long. And so what I've done today is I've laid out some stuff for you that kind of gets us down the road in this discussion. Later on in the year when I release the book and all, you'll hear more about my thoughts about this whole issue. But it's a big part of my process, a big part of my thinking life because I am a full-time dad. I'm not just a pastor guy. I'm a dad. I got a house. I got a lawn. I got, I got stuff to deal with. I got, you know, keep stuff painted. And it's just uh, it's, I got a yard. I got, I, got, I got issues. Come on, say amen. If you know about? So I got cars to be repaired. <laughs> I got stuff that happens. And so as a full-time dad, there there are things that come with that. But what I want to do is show you a dad in the Bible in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And for the next just few minutes, I want to work through this. And then at the end, you get to ask me dad questions. And you get to jot down what you think about what I'm saying. And here's what I'm looking for. I want to hear how the women hear what I say compared to how the brothers hear what I say. So in our discussion time, you get to tell me, okay, here's what I heard, here's what I thought was great, and we'll go back and forth. It'll be fun, okay? But look with me at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Here's something that Joshua said that I thought was incredible. He said, but if, if serving the Lord is un, it seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling. But ask, read this with me, please, come on. But as for me and my household we will serve the Lord. Now, that's a dad. Taking leadership, declaring where his family is going, where his family is not going. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I know what we're doing. One of my kids' favorite comments used to be to me, well, every day it's not like that. I said, really? Where do they live? They live over there, right? I said, you got a different dude. I, I'm not that brother. There's a whole different conversation we have. And there's something about understanding the power of a dad. That's why I call this sermon, this is called The Truth About the Power of, of, a, of a Dad. And that's what we're talking about this entire month. The truth about various things. The truth about why families run out of control. The truth this month, this today rather, about dads. And I love this. You're going to learn in this sermon that a dad's decision goes a long way. Say that with him, please, come on. A dad's decision goes a long way. The dad that we're going to look at today's name is Joshua. And Joshua is a guy who basically is never, never one of the guys who gets in trouble. He does have a, one of my members who's really brilliant, brought me a text in Joshua chapter 9, where Joshua made a misjudgment and allowed some people to be in a relationship with Israel that really plagued Israel for years. But by and large, in Joshua's life, it's perfect decisions. By and large, this is the guy who, who doesn't get in trouble. He tries to walk straight. He has a little bump in the road in chapter 9 of Joshua. But, but other than that, this is not one of the guys who's on the trouble list. He's, he just has this consistent determination, and it follows him, and it causes his children to be blessed. But one of the things that's interesting is Joshua had a vision for his family. So let me ask you a couple, of three questions that you might want to think about as a dad. Have you been serving God while leading your family? Ask yourself that. Have I been serving God when I'm leading, while I'm leading my family? Or am I just doing it my own way? Secondly, what is, what is your vision for your family? Ask yourself, say, what is my vision for my family, and, and, how, and do they know what it is? Joshua declared it. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Everybody's clear and here about where we're going, what we're doing, what we're not doing. Thirdly, what, what are the false gods you've allowed in your family? One of our, um, and I, I, I let Daryl writes, Daryl, did I say Daryl Wright? Daryl Lawrence, I'm sorry. Daryl Wright's a great guy too, but Daryl Lawrence is on our, we, we have what we call talk-throughs, where we talk through the sermon. And when we're talking through the sermon, Daryl brought this great point out. He quoted Adrian Rogers, and he said, Adrian Rogers defines false gods as anything you love, I love this, serve or fear more than the true God. Anything that you love, serve, or fear more than the true God. It's such an incredible temptation to allow your family to love everything else, baseball, soccer, football, everything else, more than you love God. Your family is more committed to social justice. I'm not against that. I'm for social justice. I'm just saying. You can't be more committed to social justice than you do are to your relationship with the living God. And if you're not careful, you're more committed to your job and your career path and making money. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody want to make some money, say Amen. Those who don't say anything, Lord, don't bless them. Don't give them anything in Jesus' name. No. <laughs> He's so afraid to say it. That's why you can't make it because you're scared. How many want God to bless you? Amen. If you're not afraid of making money, raise your hand. High in Jesus' name. Amen. Prosper them, oh God. If you kept your hand down, may God keep you down. Amen. Praise <laughs> God. He's scared to say something. Give one more chance. Ready? You want the Lord to bless you? Raise your hand. Come on. There you go. That's what I want to see everybody. Join in. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to receive God's blessing in your life. Just be humble about it. Don't act like a jerk when you get it. Amen. Praise God. Come on, say amen. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. Come on, don't be a jerk. That's all. Learn how to wear it right. Learn how to be humble. Learn how to be thankful. Know where you got it from. Know who gave it to you. Praise God and and, and enjoy your life and and, and just don't be a jerk. Amen. That's what I just said. How does that fit in the Bible? I don't know. My mama told me that one time. I told my mom. I said, listen, she was driving and she was driving down the road with my children in the car and, and the guy cut her off. And she said, you jerk. And the kids came home. Guess what her mama did? She was mad. You know how they come and tell you. She was mad. And she called that man a jerk, daddy. She said him a jerk. I said, well, mama, could you please just not call people jerk? sounds like you're having road rage. And she looked at me. She said, Ricky, a jerk is a jerk. <laughs> That's the mama talking to you, right? wow, what can you say? It's something about understanding that God's goal in your life is to prosper you and to keep you balanced. Joshua was a balanced guy. He was prosperous. He'd been leading with Moses for years, 40 plus years on the job, great credentials, leader of the army, tremendous record. But he understood the role of being a dad He didn't allow any of the things that he received, any of the honor he received to go to his head where he lost his perspective. That's what I mean. He kept it balanced, and that's a challenge. I see leaders have that trouble. Pastors, as their churches grow. Business people, as they have opportunity. As you get to hobnob with different levels of people in terms of, you know, opportunity to speak or whatever, you got to be careful that that doesn't show up in you in in a wrong way. Now, there are five things about Joshua that he modeled that I thought were incredible. Five observations, and I'll just list them for you, and then we'll have our, ch- our time to talk. And I want to read them for you. But we'll read all through all five, and we'll come back and briefly talk about them. Here are five truths Joshua models. First of all, repeat with me, please. Say, dads do better with mentors. Come on. Mentors. When a dad has a mentor, he's always better. Always, always, always. Number two, say, dads must be progressive. Must be progressive. He shows us that you have to move forward as a dad. If you don't, you don't feel as well. Number three, dads must be confident. Say that with me, please. Come on. Dads must be You'd be surprised how, how common this problem is. Insecurity among fathers. Number four, dads must, be dads must be knowledgeable. If you don't know, you can't do. And then number five, dads must fight fear. Say that with me, please. Come on. Dads, dads. Must fight fear. Now, if you go back to the top, under each of these, I asked a question and I gave you a scripture. And in Joshua chapter 1, where he said, dads do better with mentors, a mentor is somebody that's admired or trusted. This is a, a, a person that you admire, and that's what, what's called a trusted advisor. Who in your life is that person? In Joshua's life, it was Moses. Listen to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. Well, it came to pass after his death. That the Lord spoke to his assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I'm giving you. There's a moment in his life when he realized my mentor has gone. This guy that had had that had a 40 year influence on my life is gone. The guy I saw open the Red Sea, the guy I, I, I walked side by side, the guy who held up his arms so I could win in battle. And now he's gone. Who is your mentor? Who is the person that you give access to the inner, inner rooms of your life? Is there anybody that you let in? Men are very prone to not do that. You're fathering your way, but you've never asked any father. There's something about comparing notes. I was talking to a father the other day. We were in line uh, and, at this place of business, and, and I was, we were waiting for it to open. And, and we just struck up a great conversation. He had this great car that he was driving, and I said, hey, that's a great car you're driving. And he said, yeah, it's my daughter's. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And then we started talking, and as we started talking, we started comparing father notes. And I, and I made a suggestion to him about some things that I've learned at being a father. And in that moment, then he said, you know, I know another guy who's struggling with his daughter. I said, why don't we all get together? I said, why don't we and he, I said, so I got his numbers. I'm going to give him a call and say, let's get together, all, all of us, and let's talk about fathering daughters and the challenges that, that you face. And there are certain things that, that we can instantly relate to. And, I, and I, I, as a guy whose father, the person who's 29, I, there are just some lessons I've learned. His daughter's younger than mine. So I can say, well, you know, listen, consider this. Out of 10 conversations with her are nine corrective. Is it fun anymore? My daughter told me one time, it's not fun. It Stop being fun. There's something about that. There's something when, you're, when your son looks at you and tells you. If you listen without correction, that's hard, because you think you have the right because of who you are, and you're not really relating. As a matter of fact, you talk better to people that work than you do to your own kids. You're nicer to clients. You're more tolerant with clients. You're more tolerant with your staff than you are your own kids. You wouldn't dare go in the office say, what does this place look like? I can't believe this office. But you go home with this terror look on your face. They're scared when you come home. And if you're not careful, as a guy, you'll take pride in that. Yeah, you better be scared of me because I will hurt you. Really? That's encouraging. That's why some people are in a retirement home and they won't visit. They're still scared of you. And now you're crying because they won't come, but it's because if you're not careful, you create an environment that makes people afraid and timid. And I, I think as a father, it's something you have to really work at. And I even, I even, let me take a step further. This is for some guys. I have made a commitment that I will not be mean to guys that Christina likes. I will not do that. I have, I am not going to. I've had a few moments when I've done a few things that were not that bad. But I, <laughs> some of you know, what did you do? None of your business. But I did, nothing that bad. No, no, really. Because I, I, I don't want to. I, I mean, I need to, I need to have a relationship. It's important that I do now. I got to get off that because y'all can get me distracted. Number two, death must be progressive. Joshua in chapter one, I love this. uh, He said something that was really powerful. Every place, this is what God told Joshua. He said, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I'm going to give you. In other words, I want you, Joshua, to face the fact that your mentor is gone, but then I want you to be a progressive person. I want you to walk forward, and I'm only going to give you where you walk. If, if, if I don't, as a father, claim certain territory, it will never happen. There's something about saying, I want, I want to walk on this, this area of our life and improve. For example, I really am concerned, and, and there's a, 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 I'm sorry, there's all the teaching I'm working on, this whole idea of how relationships just kind of fall apart. And I think it's because you're not practicing. You know, I, I'm a big believer. I, I, I say this all the time. Success is what? Success is intentional what do I always say? Success is intentional. Success is always intentional. It's, it's not, it's not, there's nothing that, if you're going to progress in your family, the father in particular, the leader, if you say, well, I'm a single parent, well, mama, you in particular, whoever the leader is, that person has to, but has to understand the power of it. But I really believe a father's influence and in the progress of a family is phenomenal. Thirdly, he said the dads must be confident. Now, you would think that that wouldn't be necessary. Joshua was a guy who's fought in battles. He's had these incredible stories of victory. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So, excuse me, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be what? Strong and of good courage. Skip down to verse 7. Only be what? Strong. Notice, it's this constant reminder to this leader, dad, guy, you need to be strong. Why? Because all of us, all of us know we have some insecurity. So what is your greatest insecurity? One guy said to me, I'll never will forget it, in one of our men's breakfasts, he says, our, our man's greatest insecurity is they're going to find out, they're going to find us out. They're going to find out what's, what's not strong. And when you get married, women start discovering stuff real fast. They learn real quick. They're so, boy. They, they, girls, girls, when they're little, you can tell. They're very attentive. They ask probing questions. And, and there's this amazing moment when a guy realizes, I'm now with somebody that I can't interact, I can't hide from. I was reading, I was, I'm reading this, you always want to know what I'm reading, but I, I, it's an interesting book about why intimacy fails in, in marriages and what happens. And in one of the studies I was doing this morning, the guy gave three reasons why men stop being intimately related to their wives. One, and one of them is they're, in, they're, they're angry, they're, they're insecure, and they're, they're confused. And, and so, they, and, and they don't know how to express it. So they just shut everything off. They just cut all the knobs off because all, I, I say it this way, men don't play games, they lose. If they can't play basketball, then they don't go on the court. I can in baseball. I, I was a good fielder, but I could never, hardly ever, hit. I was almost always the worst hitter on the team. I always struck out. Every now and then I get a base hit, but by and large I would strike out. Probably should have wore my glasses. Or something. Because in the, my younger years, I wore glasses, but they, I don't know my eyes got better. But, but I would always strike out. And so let me tell you, it was so terrible. You know how kids are. In the field, I was a man. But at the base, you know what my friends would do? Those turkeys would go sit down. Hey, go ahead, Temple. We'll wait till this is over with. Ah, strike one. There he goes. I used to hate that. I used to loathe that. So I am not a dynamic baseball fan. Because it's different when you're good at something. If a man feels he's not good at communicating, he stops talking. If you're going to mock him, get it out. What do you want to say? He's Explain to me where the money went. Well, baby, ah, oh, see, oh, forget it. Then he goes to anger because that always works. I'll just scare you to be quiet. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I'll scare you to be quiet. Because I, I don't know how to talk, I'm struggling, and it's not because it's, it's not because he doesn't want to. Sometimes he really, really and truly doesn't know how to. Doesn't justify anything. I'm not justifying any of this. I'm just talking about it. Sometimes maybe that'll help if we just talk about it. So, what are you afraid of? Then number four. Men must be, let's say them all again. Number one, men men must men do better with mentors. Men dads must be progressive. Dads must be confident. Number four, dads must be knowledgeable. Verse eight of Joshua one says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you want to make sure you you keep in, in your mind what I'm teaching you and meditate on it day and night. What is the last thing you've learned? Are you a learning father? I try to read ahead of my children, my life, the seasons I'm in. And I've learned something. I, I do better when I understand what's coming at me. I, I got a great book called The Female Brain so that I understood. And I, 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 I read a lot of books about being a grandfather. I really did. You may think that's geeky. I don't care. But I, I felt like if I know, and I, even, even, even when Ricky got married, in-laws. I read books on that. I'm like, okay, well, how do you do this? In-law thing. That's new somebody new with a different way, and, you know, you're trying to all relate and trying to get along, and how do you get along, and new in-laws and people you don't know, and this whole thing. And I, I try <clears throat> to go, I'll read, I'll, I'll, I, I watch seminars because I feel like I need to know. And that's what he said, dads do better when you know. That's why coming here is so important, guys. If you're not a reader, at least, at least do this. And then I love this, dads, dads must fight fear. Again, he comes back to him in verse 9 and says almost what he said before. Have not, and I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Read this out loud with me, please. Come on. Every, I want just the men to read this. Do not. See, you didn't even read that, brother. Come on, work with the brother. One, two, three. Do not be afraid. One more time. God, said it again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We tend to fear saying things. We tend to fear. What are you the most afraid of? Well, I, I, I'll tell you one of the things that we're afraid of sometimes being honest. So let me be honest with you. Let me ask a question to start our discussion time together that might be interesting for you. Pastor Rick, what happened with you and your dad? What was that like? Now, here's what, here's what you're going to really love. He's watching right now. And he didn't know I was going to say this. Hello, everybody say, hello, Mr. Rayfield. Hello, Mr. Rayfield. <laughs> Isn't this special? What are you going to say? I'm going to say life issues that you can't always explain can cause seasons of your relationship with your dad to be walled. There's a wall up you can't explain. And, 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 And hopefully over time, and I think we've done that, climbed over the wall and figured out ways to work it out. But let me give you some reasons and some what I call life issues that cause that to happen. Number one, distance distance if you don't live near each other like we didn't there's a great chance that you will not bond in a certain way secondly you ready for this sometimes for some people it's tensions it's relationship tensions that you can't explain and, it, it, and some of you have can, can relate to this and you may say well it's because my mom and my dad didn't get, get, get along or because you know this happened or that happened and but, but the bottom line is the reason you, your relationship doesn't evolve is because of tensions, relationship tensions. And here's one that some of you can relate to. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes for some reason money gets in there, you know, you, know, you didn't pay child support, you paid child support or whatever, and, and, and those tensions become real. Here's a big one. Philosophical differences cause families to be walled off. Dads think one way, parents think another way. The differences of opinion matter. And that's why some of you, when you go visit your dad, if you didn't live with him, the philosophical differences show up. And sometimes it's amazing how you have to work to climb over those differences to have a relationship. And I think it's worth it. I think if you can make it work, it's been worth it for me and my dad. But I think it's worth it when you can, because there's something profound that happens in your life when you embrace philosophical differences. Say amen if you're with me. But then for some people, you know what causes it? Death, you lost your dad. You lost him early in your life. You didn't get a chance to be around him for whatever reason. And some of you say, Pastor, it wasn't just death, physical death. In my life, it was the, our, 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 they were divorced. That, that whole painful process of what used to be is no longer. And, and, and when you try to explain it to people, you just, all you can say is, look, life issues. Let me give you a simple way to say it. Two words, life issues. That just drags in a whole lot of issues, a whole lot of thoughts. When you do that and you put that in perspective, it helps you. I believe that I've learned, though, as a dad, that what I do goes a long way. And so what I want to do now is take a moment, and I want to talk to you. For the next few minutes, I want to to hear your thoughts about what I've said. I want to hear um, what about this sermon spoke to you the most? What about this message? has an impact. Next week I have a whole nother turn for you, but tell me what you think about what I've said so far about dads. And I'm just going to stand here and wait for you to raise your hand, and I want to hear your thoughts. What spoke to you? Yes, sir, right here. We got a brother. Raise your hand so you can see you, sir. There you go, right there. All right. Um, good morning, Pastor. Good morning. Uh, um, we said about uh, conversation without correction, uh, you know, we feel like we're supposed to be training our kids, we're supposed to be teaching them something. So we're always trying to show them what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so every time I want to, if I want to call my son or call somebody in and talk to him, if all I'm doing is telling them what they're doing wrong and what they need to fix it, they're not going to want to come talk to me. We're not going to have a fun relationship. We're not going to interact in the best possible way all the time. So I got to make sure I include just, hey, let's go do something. Let's go talk. Let's just have a good conversation. What's going on? And, and let it be about them and not always about what's wrong with them. It's great thought. Somebody else. What spoke to you the most in the sermon? Now, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to think nothing did. Over there in the corner and then over here. Yes. Yes, sir. Good morning, Pastor Rick. Good morning. Um, just wanted to say that uh, what really spoke to me was about dads must be confident. Confident doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. Right. Confidence won't mean, doesn't mean you won't uh, stumble. Doesn't mean you won't fall. But you have to get back up. But we think we're not supposed to fall. We think that we're, we're somehow, and if we're not careful, that's what we'll receive from people. And when you do fall, what do you say? How do you say, I messed up this investment, or this didn't go right, or I lost my job because of something I did, and now we're going through a little challenge? How do you apologize for that, and, and how do you... We, we struggle because we think we're supposed to be perfect. And, and I've learned it. I've, I've learned how to be confident when I'm down, not just confident when I'm up. Say amen if you hear hearing. Amen. But I'll say this. Humility goes a long way. And manning up and admitting who you are, what your um, shortcomings are, being vulnerable. Yeah. As a father... That's where confidence really shines. It's not where you've been so successful, but it's when you've made those mistakes and you have enough integrity to know who you are and stand up and say, I made this mistake. I hope you can learn from it and move forward. Thank you. Well said. Somebody else. Uh, Pastor. Where we at? Where? Where's your hand? Where? I don't know where you are. I can't Over see here. You. Where? Over there. Yes, sir. How do you know, Pastor? Tell me, how do you relate to someone who's dating someone who is a jerk and trifling? Okay. Talk to me online. I'll tell you. <laughs> That's the purpose of that question. I'll say this briefly. Understand that all of us go through seasons where we imagine things, and 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 sometimes you have to be careful. I know as a pastor, I've been pastoring for thirty-five years. So when I walk in your church for five, in two years, I know I see stuff. That's just part of being thirty-five years ahead of you or 30-something years ahead of you. So if your daughter or son is dating somebody that's not what you know they need to be, give them a chance and ask yourself, how many people did I date or did I go out with, and I was wrong, and I had a jerk or two in my history. I think we've all had a few in our history or one, at least one. And uh, you imagine to be with somebody, and then you found out somebody else got them, and now you're glad you didn't get them. and Yeah, so, so look at your record and, and uh, be patient and give them time. That's what I'd say. Somebody else, where we at? Yes, right here. Okay, what, I've, what I've gotten this morning um, is that uh, as far as uh, the female role with dads, uh, we have to be, as women, we have to be more considerate of the dads feeling, knowing what their background has been and how they were reared. And then with the woman, because with me, my, my father died when I was 14, so we didn't have that example of how to relate with the man. And then we grow up thinking we got to be the leaders and we don't allow our men to lead. Well, here's what I think too. I think we don't ever, we, we don't know the story of the man we don't like. We don't know what the father was like and what his father was like. And you know you know what I'm saying? And if you go back far enough, sometimes you find abuse, you find all kinds of things that train the person. A lot of, a lot you know, we let me say this, this is so... so Crime in America is bad, but there's no president that can solve it. There's no Congress that can solve it, and locking them up is not going to solve it. Here, here's the real issue. We, it's like a factory. We keep growing these people. Amen. Amen. We grow them in angry families. Remember what I just said about why men stop being intimate with their wives? It's because ang- they're angry. They're, that's one of the common signs. I'm, I'm mad with you, and I, I feel insecure. I can't tell you where I'm at. So I withdraw. I cut off all the buttons. I don't want to touch you, talk to you or anything. I don't want to see you. Part of that is, is, is an anger that he doesn't know how to manage. And so a lot of times women don't know. They don't know. And, and that's, that's the as a matter of fact, when they ask the women, why, why is my husband not relating to me much? The women's answer is, I don't know. The men have an answer. I'm angry. The men have a, they may not know how to resolve it. But my point is, it's, it's, you're right. Women have to find a way to communicate and understand. I I lovingly say this, you can't have a PhD in everything, man and woman. You gotta admit, I got a PhD in woman, I gotta learn something about men. Come on, give me an amen, you with me? Thank you. Somebody else, where are we? Yes. I think the the point about progressive, I think um, we as men have to be progressive and willing to grow along with our children and realize that we can't we can't do it like our fathers did it way back in the day, we because there's a there's a lot kids these days are a lot more um, educated the social media they are open to a lot more so we got to be got to be willing to grow, and and listen to them and see it from their perspective. Thank you. Now let me let me do this. I know I know the mics out. I want questions. Somebody else have a question for me? Something I said today I didn't cover, that uh, I did not cover. And you, uh, who else has a mic? Who else it, there's one here? Who else? There's one, there's two, and there's where else we uh, Two, that's it. Okay, then I want uh, three, and then the question. Yes, sir, go ahead. Uh, Pastor Rick, um, good, morning. good morning. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me was uh, men must fight fear. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, to include myself, uh, us men, we fight with uh, failure. Um, you know, we have kids, uh, especially we have uh, boys. And we're like, hey, I, I think I'm doing the best I can. You know, I think I'm doing good. And uh, even if we did have a mentor or a, a father in the home that was actively involved, you know, a lot of times we get to the point where we're like, hey, uh, I think I'm doing the best I can. They're alive. They're well. You know, they're they're not complaining. But, you know, how do we, I love that. you know, how they're do alive, we. They're alive. They're well. Uh, and they're not complaining. So I'm all right. For, safe. Got gotcha. you. But, but a lot of times we still, you know, question, hey, am I really doing the best that I can. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, this is where I think a lot of men don't have any man to reaffirm them. To say, you're doing a good job. Now, I, I find that's really important as a father to communicate to my children, this is good, this is really good. A lot of, a lot of people did not get a, enough from their father. And they, 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 they wish, I almost would like to know what you wish you could tell your father to do. What, what, was the, what could you say to him? Dad, if you could do this one thing, Let me just, I want to hear some shout outs. What would the one thing be that I wish you would have been alive? Oh, oh, been alive. What? Raise your hand. Say it loud. I want to hear you. Being alive. Wow. Somebody else. Act, raise your hand. Attentive. Attentive. Yes. What now? Love for you. What did you say? I want to get that right. Love for her, your mom, and me. Wow. What'd you, what would you say? I, I promise I'm going to get you two in a minute. But what else? Shout out. What would you say? Dialogue. L- listen to what you're hearing. What would you say? Make you feel like you're important. Wow. Someone who's grown to be incredibly important and touched so many lives that, you, that, that the one thing you would say to your dad, I wish you could make me feel like I'm important. Simple things that are profound. I'm going to take two more of these and I've got to run today. Where are the mics? There's a mic? I'm expressing, a, expressing those feelings. Just express them. It's powerful. Back in the back, back there, and then we got one more. Is that it? Two, one here? Wait, you want to say one? Available. Just be available. Don't be gone. All right. Back in the back. Yes. Okay. Um, I was wondering, how do you want, um, I guess, the fatherless to apply this message? Um, their life how say it one more time for me okay so if you're sitting in the audience and you didn't have a father and then maybe your your children's father is not a good father how do you want this message to apply to their life what did you want us to walk away with I want you to walk away understanding a little bit more about fathers I want you to understand that when you decide to date again marry somebody that you choose a guy who understands that what he does goes a long way so you don't bring somebody else into your life that does the same thing your father did or the last guy you were with or your last mate. You know what I'm trying to say? We tend to duplicate the same problems. So if you take this away and say, at least I have a picture. My greatest job with Christina and Ricky, but specifically my kids, let me show you what you deserve. Let me show you. Amen. Where are we at? And I've got to end this. i got to end where are we at. we got one. Is that it? We're done over here. Nobody over here. Was that right? Was that one over here and then one here and we're done. These two and we're done. We're done right here. Have you enjoyed this so far? I hope you have. Yes. Where are you? Right there. Yes, sir. And then right here and we're done after these two. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, you should of already hit my point. I was just, um, the mentorship really touched me um, in the message because I figure, over the last thirty-seven years, I've heard it's been drilled to me iron sharpens iron, and um, I use my father a lot as a soundboard to bounce stuff a- across him. And not saying that I always follow his advice, but a lot of the stuff that I experience, he's already went through or something similar. So it, it's just good to have a mentor, or if not a father, somebody in your life that you can talk to, and you know, make you a wiser decision. You know, you know, A lot of men are lonely. A woman dressed up as a guy, and one of her observations, I think she, I am not how long she did it, just as an experiment, and she said one of the things she noticed is that she's not noticed, that she's, very, she's invisible, that men live in a very isolated culture, and, and, and they, they don't talk to each other. If I ask a man, how was your day, what do you normally say? All right. <laughs> that's it, that's it, all right. It drives women crazy. What do you mean? All right, all right. What? What'd you do? I went to work. And then he gets mad. What you want me to say? What'd you do the first hour? I worked. What'd you do the second hour? I worked. All eight hours I worked. Now what you want? And see, he but he what he really wants? Did you talk to anybody at work? Yeah. Who? John. What'd you say? I asked John about his family. Well, how's his family? See, that's what she wants. She wants to understand the day. But that's just not how men communicate. Men don't say, how you feeling today, physically? How you feeling? See, so he looked at me like, what you want to know that for? You up in my business? Says, you see them asking me, like, what's up? What come up to me in the middle of your sermon asking me personal questions? You need to go on the other side of the church. I'm going over here, bro. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's how we are. Women they there talk about, oh, girl, this toe hurt right here. This corn. My big toe. I mean... <laughs> We don't talk about that kind of stuff. And if you press on, we might fight you. Back up. It's going to be a fight. Ask me about my toes. All right, where we at? One more, and we're done. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am a preacher's kid, Um, and I was just saying to my husband, um, I wish my dad had spent time with us, it was nine of us, outside of church. Because we just church, 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 church all the time. Jesus. And so when I married my husband, I didn't know anything except church. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the relationship I had with my dad. Wow. Let me say something about that, being a preacher. You know, I, I worked really hard to not do that. Diane and I were talking the other day. I'll give you an example of how this all works. Diane and I were talking the other day. And she likes to cruise. And she wants to cruise twice a year. All in favor of Diane cruising twice a year, say aye. Aye. here's the deal. So here's, here's a typical conversation, right? So she says, so we got one plan, okay? And so we're going to go and she had this whole family thing and I said, okay, that was one with the family. Then we're going to do one just you and I. And so she said, but and this, why, this is the guilt thing. But you know you're going to have to miss a Sunday again in the fall. All in favor of me missing a Sunday so she can go on a cruise, say aye. Right. 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 See, it's, but, but see, that's that's the series I'm going to do next month is called The Power of What You Believe. If I believe it's wrong to miss a Sunday, to take my wife on a trip that she wants to go on, then I'll make her stay here. If I think it's wrong, you see, that there's something about balance. Amen. And it's really born in theology. Sometimes we're so sincere as Christians and we're trying to work so hard for God but we forget ourselves. I say this and I close. A preacher friend of mine sent me a sermon to review. He's a great guy. I told you this last couple of weeks. And in this sermon, he's teaching on priorities. And, and, and he asked me, he said, review the sermon. And we do this re- sermon review thing among, our, among some preachers, friends of mine, guys I mentor. And in this sermon, he says, my top priority is God. My second priority is, is my family. My third priority is church. And I said, you're not even on the list. You're not even on the list. He paused. He has not even thought about it. Dude. Put your name on the list. There's something about understanding the power, power of what you believe. We got a lot to talk about. Did you have fun today? Come on, praise God. I had a good time with you today. Yes, I did, I had a really great time. Father, bless this time today we leave with faith, believing that you've called us, believing that you've blessed us, and believing that your hand is on our life. Bless every dad who heard it. Bless my dad who listened. Bless all the dads out there. Bless all the women blessed by this sermon the daughters the sons may it be a life-lifting moment and story that brings grace and healing to those who hear it and lord i give you all the praise and i give you all the glory in the name above all names with every head bowed every eye closed if there's anybody here that doesn't know your savior that's never given their lives to jesus may they say i need to do that if there's a dad here who's never done it if you're gonna lead your family if you're gonna really follow god you need to give your life to god and say lord On Father's Day, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to God and give myself a chance to do this thing right because I want to be a person who doesn't lead his family in following false gods, but I want to lead my family in serving the true God. As for me and my house, I pray that they would say today, we're going to start serving the Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you want to start, start a life with Jesus, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Whether you be a man or woman, father or daughter, son, whoever you are, if you need that prayer raise your hand anybody i'll pray for you today and let this be the beginning of a new life for you i see you anybody else i want to surrender my life i want my life to be going a different direction just put your hand up and put it right back down god is able to meet you today i see another hand anybody else saying pray for me pastor just put your hand up let me pray for you i see you as well i believe god is able i see you god bless you sister anybody else i see you brother anybody else i see you may god touch you i see you sister i see you god is able to touch your life. This could be the beginning of a brand new life for you. God is able to start your life again. Father, today I pray for everyone who raised their hands and many who raised their hearts. May this be the day they say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I thank you for loving me where I am. I thank you for this opportunity. I ask your blessing upon them. May they leave this place saying, God, touch me today. And I know that what I do goes a long way. And this prayer will go a long way. And I I believe that Jesus died on the cross to give me a brand new beginning. And I thank you, Lord, for those who prayed this prayer today, both here and at home. And may it be that beginning moment for them. Some are even on demand right now watching this. And they're saying, you know, this happened a while ago, but it spoke to me. And today I surrender my life. Wherever you are, your office or wherever you are, God is able in your car to save you, to touch you, and give you a brand new beginning in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. If you really had a great time, give God a big hand clap. Come on, if you had a really good time, God is able. Hallelujah. That's it.